Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're going to talk about breast cancer and prostate cancer. Last time we were on, we were talking about insane therapies. Now we're going to have this and also a censored portion of the Dr. B VIP. And thank you, all those Extreme Health Academy members. God bless you. Um, it was fun. A couple of weekends ago, we did two hours on um, on everything. So I want to tell you, latest updates, okay, on breast cancer. Uh, the U.S. Preventative Task Force is planning to lower the age of breast cancer screening. Uh, now, it was uh, over 50. Now it's going to be... Uh, from 40 to 74, they want two mammograms every year. Now, you might say that that's really a lot. Well, listen to this. Quote, the recommendations do not apply for those who have a genetic marker or a syndrome associated with a high risk of breast cancer, a history of high-dose radiation therapy to the chest at a young age, or who previously had breast cancer or a high-risk breast lesion on previous biopsies. So think of that. So if you have a genetic marker or syndrome, uh, they don't want you to. Rec- they don't recommend this. Now you might say, well, it because you are putting radiation into the body, uh, could that be a bad thing? Well, they go on to say because you know you might think that if someone's recommending twice a year mammograms that they have some data to support it, particularly if it's the U.S. um, uh, preventative, uh, what what do they call them again? The the U.S. Preventative Task Force, okay? Um, Now, U.S. Preventative Service Task Force. So you get on to regarding screening frequency. Uh, quote, regarding the screening frequency, the U.S. Um, Preventative uh, Task Force has noted, noted it was unable to identify any randomized trials directly comparing annual versus biannual screening that reported morbidity, mortality, or quality of life outcomes. But the use of collaborative mod- modeling that biannual screenings are more favorable and balanced uh, benefits to harms for all women and for black women comparing with annual screenings. Uh, so interesting. Uh, if you go uh, every two years um, to annually, you get a little bit increase in benefit at a pretty high rate of false positives. Yeah, that's right. False positives can occur. Um, the U.S. draft statement recommended that um, 40 to 74 was result in 50% more false positive results, 50% more overdiagnosis of cases compared with breast cancer cases um, from biannual um, screenings with a similar increase in false positive results and an increase in overdiagnosis cases for black women. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's let's go on to other data. Um, now, according to the American Cancer Society, they're recommending yearly mammograms, uh, and this beginning at age 45, and they should remain as long as women are in good health. And this, is according to the American Cancer Society, 
they say, quote, the goal of ma- screening mammographies, mammograms is to find breast cancer early when treatment is more likely to be successful. But mammograms aren't perfect. They do have risks. Sometimes mammograms find something suspicious that turns out to be harmless, but uh, must be checked out through more testing, which that also carry risks, including pain, anxiety, and other side effects. Uh, and when we talked about last week, we talked about how a lot of these issues, um, that a lot of things that are diagnosed as cancer aren't really cancer, that they, they're changing the name on it. According to the National Cancer Institute, the risk of mammography is um, they can cause this, some of the tests can cause serious problems, false positive results, false negative results, and finding cancer may not improve that person's health. So false positives, okay, and it's interesting because according to the National Cancer Institute, mammograms don't prevent death. Quote, some cancers never cause symptoms or become life-threatening, but if found by a screening test, the cancer may be treated. There is no way to know if treating the cancer will help the person live longer than if no treatment were given. In both teenagers and adults, there's an increased risk of suicide in the first year after being diagnosed with cancer. And mammograms can cause breast cancer. And again, this is according to the National Cancer Institute. Quote, being exposed to radiation is a risk factor for breast cancer. The risk of breast cancer from radiation high exposure um, is higher in women who have received radiation. Now, uh, it's interesting. A mammogram uses 200 times more radiation than a chest x-ray, 600 times um, percent higher genotoxicity and carcinogenicity associated with specific low-energy wavelengths used in mammograms. And there are three to 400% more carcinogenic than the higher-energy radiation given off by atomic bomb blasts. Uh, it, it's just, if you look at this, okay, um, we look at the Radiation uh, Research Journal. Quote, this suggests that the, the risks associated with mammogram mammography screening may be approximately five times higher than previously assumed than the risk-benefit ratio of the mammogram exposures need to be re-examined. Um, mammograms do more harm than good, according to the British Medical Journal. This analysis uh, supports the claim that introduction of breast cancer screenings may have caused net harm for up to 10 years after the start of screening. Um, here's another one at a British Medical Journal. Mammograms cause increased risk of breast cancer. Quote, in this large European study among carriers of the BRCA1-2 mutations, uh, exposure to diagnostic radiation before the age of 30 was associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. Um, the largest study ever on mammograms lasted 25 years, involved 90,000 women, found that death rates from breast cancer were the same in the women who got the mammograms as those who didn't. In conclusion, our data showed that annual mammography does not result in a reduction of breast cancer, specific mortality. The data suggests that the value of mammography screening should be reassessed. That was the British Medical Journal. A little lancet. The author's own words, quote, screening for breast cancer with mammography is unjustified. They also found it causes six times more deaths than it prevents. And that's at a Lancet 2000. Um, the year 2000, an analysis from a Swedish trial shows there's no reliable evidence that screening decreases breast cancer mortality. 
2001, strengthened the previous findings that added mortality is a misleading outcome of measure. Uh, so, so what else are you going to do? Um, in 2006, for every 2,000 women who received mammograms, the number of extra procedures increased by 10%, and the number of mastectomies increased by 20%. So what are you going to do? Look at thermography. Okay, now in order to save one life, okay, the numbers needed to treat or numbers needed to screen, 2,000 women must be screened for 10 years. Out of that, in this order to save one life, 10 women will get false positives, or 200 women will get false positives. 10 will receive surgery and or chemotherapy, even though they don't actually have cancer. Screening has led to a 30% overdiagnosis and overtreatment with an absolute risk increase of 0.05%. It is thus not clear whether screening does more harm than good. And this was the Cochrane database review. Um, and again, British Medical Journal. Why cancer screening has never been shown to save more lives. And now I know... I just read an article that came out today that says that screening saves lives. And here's an article that says screening has never been shown to save lives. So if you're getting confused, you should be. Because when you're looking at this, you've got experts in the field who are going to have differing of opinions. And that's huge because science is never, ever um, uh, the same. It's never static. It's a very dynamic thing. So if you have one doctor that is pro-mammograms, another do doctor that is thinking that the risk and the danger of the screening and the harm during it is, is against the mammograms, so you have one guy for, one guy against. Okay, what um, the way to identify which one is correct okay, is to find out first, are there biases? You know, does one person make money off of it, the other person not? Okay, what other biases can be there? Okay, is anyone talking about prevention or are they just looking at the screenings? This is why I'm a big fan of thermographies because if you have to uh, damage or check 2,000 women screened for 10 years, that will give 200 false positives. 10 will receive surgery and chemo. Um, you're talking increased suicide weights, anxiety, stress, and chemo can actually cause secondary cancers for, to save one life. Is there better, safer methods? Um, here's one out of the Journal of the American Medical Association. After 30 years of cancer screening and emphasis on detecting cancer early, the goals of such campaigns to reduce the rate of late-stage disease and decrease cancer um, mortality has not been clearly realized. Um, what has emerged has been an appreciation of the complexity of the pathology um, condition called cancer. The word cancer invokes a specter of inextricable um, lethal process. However, cancers are heterogeneous. They can follow multiple paths, not all of which progress to metastasis and death. And this includes indolent diseases that cause no harm during a patient's lifetime. Better biology alone can explain better outcomes. End of quote. 
So that makes a heck of a lot of sense. So when you're talking that that cancer um, can resolve on its own, it may be misdiagnosed. I mean, there's a lot of things that that have to be looked at, and this is why um, just to screen randomly without talking about prevention doesn't make sense. Um, we know that ductal carcinoma in situ um, is non-invasive and was long time called carcinoma, and now a lot of doctors are saying it's not. Now, um, so let's look at this. Non-invasive breast cancer. Okay, now this is Dr. Carcinoma in situ. That's non-invasive, and a lot of doctors are saying it might not even be there. Um, it might not be a cancer. Now, if you're diagnosed with non-invasive breast cancer, 33% will have the breast removed. 48% will have a lumpectomy and radiation, which can cause damage. 16% will have a lumpectomy, and 3% do nothing. Um, chemotherapy, literally, and this is the Journal of Oncology, um, it literally damages bone marrow, which produces blood, damages the digestive system, damages reproductive system, damages hair follicles, and the overall contribution of cytotoxic chemotherapy to a five-year survival estimates to be 2.3% in Australia and 2.1% in, in USA. So if you read that backwards, 97.7% are not positively affected in the Australia, and 97.9% are not affected positively in the USA. And here's John Carnes from Harvard University. Uh, quote, aside from certain rare cancers, it's not possible to detect sudden changes in death rates for any major cancers that could be credited to chemotherapy. Whether any of the common cancers could be cured by chemo is yet to be established. And, you know, it's interesting because when you look at chemotherapy as the, the only option and surgery, the only option, and radiation, the only option, hey, there is damage to mastectomies. Um, literally, fluid can collect in the breast and armpit, um, nerve damage to the arm and shoulder, lymphedema, the arm, breast, hand, chest can all be swollen up. Removing lymph nodes can make you predisposed to ser more serious illness. Um, you know, and that's also in, you know, just randomly removing breasts of a child uh, if they're, you know, gender confused or in a challenge, that it is not a benign surgery. Um, the government admits that radiation can cause cancer. Now, this was, um, this is, let's see, 1997. Um, quote, currently approaches to combat cancer rely primarily on the use of chemical and radiation, which in themselves are carcinogenic and may pr promote reoccurrences in developing metastasis. Um, you know, we just have to state step back, okay, and take a look at this. Um, there, there's multiple quotes that we're going to go through on how the accumulation of wealth for cancer cures and cancer research and cancer this. I mean, it's, it's, it's a moneymaker. So let's get into thermography. First, um, what thermography is, it's measuring heat coming off the body. Now, um, it, this can detect signs of breast cancer as much as 10 years earlier than either mammography or physical exam. Um, mammography 
um, cannot detect a tumor until it's been growing for years. Uh, so this is why one of the reasons we recommend thermography, because you're not putting any energy into the body. You're measuring energy coming off of the body. So that whole thing could have been on mammograms. Um, now, prostate exams. Now, the prostate is the size of a walnut. Okay, it literally alkalinizes to help neutralize the acidity of the vaginal canal, helping sperm survive. Now, BPH, or benign prostatic hypertrophy, or hyperplasia, is non-cancerous enlargement of the prostate. It's the most common disorder. Now, it's super common in older men, okay, 45 to 74, 50% of all men in their 50s have BPH. 60% of all the men over 60 have BPH, and 80% of everybody over 80 has BPH. And the problem is this restricts urine flow. And so we have to look at, at where that urine is coming from. The bladder, and this is right next to the bladder, and it's right on the floor of the pelvis. So this is why prostate is super important to, take, to keep healthy. And we're going to go over how to maintain a healthy prostate. Now, symptoms from prostate problems. You're talking problems with urination, uh, frequency of urination, leakage, dribbling, uh, pain in the back and scrotum and rectum and pelvis, painful organs. Now, the PSA test, okay, this is called prostate-specific antigen. Um, now, it's a protein produced by the prostate. Now, it's used for prostate screening. Now, the theory is that cancer cells will produce more PSA. So if PSA levels go up, there may be an increased risk of cancer. The problem is PSA is found in females with breast, lung, and uterine cancers. In fact, the highest levels of PSA have been found in females recovering from breast cancer, according to the, National, the Journal of National Cancer Institute, uh, 1999. Now, a biopsy um, is usually done when the PSA levels are high. Now, this is a needle is inserted through the rectum or through the urethra, you know, that's down the penis, or between the anus and the scrotum, okay? And they're jabbing this needle in there and taking 6 to 12 samples. Now, this takes around 30 minutes. You're taking a large-gauge needle to into the prostate, uh, 6 to 12 samples. And this is, so you're talking that the organ's only the size of a walnut, so you're getting a lot of damage to that prostate. Now, um, I'm going to go over a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to show pictures tonight on what it looks like. Now, this is a $3 billion industry, but now um, the discoverer of the PSA, Dr. Richard Ablin, Ablin, quote, I never dreamed that my discovery four decades ago would lead to such a profit-driven public health disaster. The test is hardly more effective than a coin toss. PSA tests have consistently shown false positive and false negatives. Um, Here's from the American Urological Association. The controversy over prostate cancers should not surround the test, but rather how the test results influence the decision-making. A cancer cannot be treated if it's not detected. Testing empowers patients and the urologist with information to make an informed decision. 
However, Dr. Thomas Stamey published the original study on PSA in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1987. Quote, our study raises very serious questions of whether a man should even use the PSA test for prostate cancer screening anymore. Dr. Stamey, quote, I removed a couple hundred prostates I wished I hadn't, and that was in the Journal of National Cancer Institute 2002. Um, and then uh, U.S. Preventative uh, Services Task Force again. Okay, quote, prostate-specific antigen screening results in small or no reduction in prostate cancer-specific mortality and is associated with harms related to subsequent evaluation and treatments, some of which may be unnecessary. And, and then here, the American Society of Oncology Quote, it is uncertain whether the benefits associated with PSA screening test um, for prostate cancer screening are worth the harms associated with the screening and subsequent unnecessary treatment, end of quote. Um, it, it's crazy. So you start looking at this. Now, the testing, the PSA test, it's not, <laughs> I mean, it's recommended by a lot of people still. Um, the American Cancer Society, here's, here's one, quote, does not support routine testing for prostate cancer at this time. And this is back just about eight years ago. Now, um, and then here, this is the 2009, the Journal of the American Medical Association. After 20 years of screening for breast and prostate cancer, several observations can be made. Screening may increase the burden of low-risk cancer without significantly reducing the burning, uh, burden of more aggressive growing cancers, therefore not resulting in the anticipated reduction in cancer mortality. To reduce morbidity and mortality from prostate and breast cancer, new approaches for screening, early detection, and prevention for both diseases should be considered. That makes sense. So when you look at just testosterone, Hormones are literally communication between organs and tissues. The hypothalamus, which gets its information from the spine, controls all hormonal secretions. Now, testosterone is responsible for regulation of the prostate, development of reproductive tissues, sperm development, cognition and physical energy, tissue healing, bone health, strength, and cardiovascular health. All of this is from testosterone. Low testosterone is associated with diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, depression, um, sexual dysfunction, erectile dysfunction. Now, normal or above average testosterones are associated with literally increased mental and physical energy, um, increased sexual vitality, decreased risk of heart attack, decreased risk of obedience, lean body mass, and increase. So testosterone is amazing. Now, testosterone replacements, though, they're neither the benefits nor safety of testosterone have been established for low testosterone levels due to aging. In fact, excessive testosterone is 30, associated with a 30% increased risk of heart attack. Uh, and this is out of the National Institute of Aging. Now, the true cause of prostate problems at first, it's going to be a nervous system disorder where you're in a chronic state of stress. Next, prescription drug use, immune system disorders, injury to the prostate, pelvic trauma, dehydration, and stress. Super common. 
Now, the solution for a healthy prostate, the solution for breast cancers is to help your immune system. Now, for a healthy prostate, you stimulate the nervous system. Exercise regularly, um, strengthen the immune system. This means proper sleep, hydrate properly, healthy sex life, prostate massage, amazing, natural anti-inflammatories, moist heat in between the anus and the testicles, soak in a warm bath, improve bowel movements, um, limit or avoid alcohol or caffeine, and avoid prolonged sitting because that literally flattens out um, that while you're sitting on the pelvic floor, you're sitting on the ischial tube, so it's flattened out the pelvic floor and damage that area. Uh, then um, increase vitamins, minerals, getting deep sleep. I mean, all the stuff we talk about. Um, increase vitamin D level. Now, this is out of the British Journal of Cancer. Quote, Men with prostate cancer are seven times less likely to die if they have high levels of vitamin D. According to the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, vitamin K may reduce your risk of prostate cancer. Um, the Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics, quote, the results suggest that dietary modification has a beneficial effect on the prevention of prostate cancer. If you take care of yourself, and this is vital, look at your physical chemical and emotional stressors. We're going to cover all this stuff tonight. We're going to try and go through all of the the good, the bad, the ugly of what's associated with uh, cancers and cancer health. Know that cancer is a metabolic disorder. It has to do with environmental toxins that you're exposed to. So decreasing your carcinogens, helping your body's immune system, anything you do that helps your cells build is good. Anything you do that breaks your cells down is not good. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you. I love you. And next week, it's Cancer Part 3. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.